And this is the municipal. Have you been paying attention to like city stuff? Don't vote, can't bitch. Sorry to uh, to point that finger at you. My answer was that would be yes and no. My tummy hurts, and I'm mad at the government. You're saying council wouldn't approve it, and two, you're robbing them of their their voice. It's it's he's already he's already failed to uphold. And welcome to another edition of the Municipals. Happy Victoria Day or Memorial Day, depending on where you are. I am, of course, Matthew. Of course, uh, here with Philip. And we are so honored to be joined by a our first, actually, our first sitting city council member who is also running in the by-election for mayor, uh, Councillor Anthony Perusa joins us. Welcome to the show, uh, Councillor. Uh, thank you so much for having me. Pleasure to be here. We are so psyched. You know, we when we first started this uh, podcast in December, we put the word out to all the councillors and, and nobody wanted to come on the show. So I'm, I'm very happy that you are actually the first one. Um, so again, welcome. And right off the bat, I'd love to discuss with you what your top line plan is uh, for the city. Maybe uh, we can talk about some of the issues that you think need correcting within the city. And now I'm going to give you the floor. So go ahead, uh, sir. The floor is yours. Uh, well, thank you so much. Um, so it, it's not so much about correcting. I, I'm a candidate in this election uh, uh, for the mayoralty because... Uh, uh, as I, I sat on council, obviously the uh, the mayor's resignation surprised us all. Uh, you know, I, I was getting settled in to be uh, the councillor for Humber River Black Creek for for the balance of the term. I just gotten reelected, and uh, uh, you know, lots of work ahead of us, and uh, and uh, was happy to do that. And then, uh, obviously, um, you know, Mayor Tories. Uh, sort of surprise uh, uh, resignation of sorts uh, took us all uh, to some degree by surprise. And, um, and, and as I watched the uh, sort of the election by election scenario unfold, and as, as people began to step forward to, to run for mayor, uh, I just thought to myself, um, uh, you know, it's time, it's time, Anthony, to step up. You've got the experience. Uh, you've been here for a while. You know how the city works. Uh, a lot of these folks are missing the point. Uh, you know, the Mayor Tory got us to, uh, convinced us to approve a budget uh, that has, um, you know, that had at the time uh, roughly one and a half billion dollar hole in it. Uh, um, it was very, very large. Uh, he convinced us that, uh, uh, that he had a deal with both the provincial uh, government and the federal government, uh, with the feds. Uh, he, you know, he had a deal to get uh, to get some uh, roughly eight hundred million dollars in uh, in monies that the city believed that uh, that it is owed. Uh, the provincial government, uh, you know, kicking in the rest. Uh, we approved this budget with this big deficit in it, and uh, and then as it turned out, as he as he left, uh, it became quite clear uh, that. Uh, that there was no deal, that there was no money, and that we would be in a very, very difficult position uh, going forward. And uh, and as I as I watch the, the the candidacies of the some of the 
the folks that step forward to run for mayor. Uh, I just thought to myself, we're we're uh, we're in some trouble here, and uh, and um, and that's why I put myself forward and have offered up uh, a platform uh, that I believe um, uh, you know gets us uh, uh, gets us moving forward. A platform. Uh, that focuses heavily on affordability um, uh, for people in a, in a time in a very very difficult uh, period. Uh, you know, inflation, as you know, has uh, has made it much much harder for folks. Uh, housing prices have uh, uh, you know have climbed to the point where uh, housing is very unaffordable for people, um, and uh, irrespective of 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 how you 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 know you 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 want your tenancy. Uh, it's uh, it's somewhat out of reach. It's putting a strain on a lot of folks. Uh, so so my uh, my campaign has uh, has been cobbled and my platform has been cobbled around that. Um, basically, uh, keeping taxes down, promising no tax increases for the next three years, no fees or or TTC fare increases uh, uh, again for the next three years, uh, offering up a, an affordable housing plan. Uh, that makes sense. That is affordable. Uh, that comes in at uh, under a thousand dollars a month. Uh, uh, something that's very practical on the ground, down to earth. Uh, doesn't require uh, city monies, monies that the city doesn't have uh, to to do. It's a product that exists easily to replicate. Can be modified uh, as well. Uh, so, uh, so that's basically the sort of the crux of the uh, of the campaign and. Uh, and obviously, there's uh, there's a lot of other things there that uh, we can chat about as we go forward. You don't want to you don't want me eating up the next hour or so on <laughs> on Peruza says, right? Okay. I mean, we could. Um, that's a fun new segment. Absolutely. Um, yeah. You know, you you talk about uh, the the budget that was passed with the huge deficit. You know, whenever we're talking about budgetary issues and stuff like that, I, I can't help but look at the single biggest line item in the Toronto budget which is the police budget and i'm just wondering if there is is there a is there a, a discussion that can be had in terms of looking for efficiencies um counselor i don't know if you know this but i i was a huge rob ford fan and you have to go all the way back to rob ford to look for a mayor who's willing to look at the police budget for efficiencies and i'm just wondering if that is something that you would consider um, should you win the mayor's chair? Yeah. So, so clearly, we all look for efficiencies. Um, efficiencies is 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 a great word, uh, and and uh, and and not to look for efficiencies uh, makes you wasteful and um, makes you uh, lax in terms of uh, you know spending other people's money. And uh, and I don't. I I think there's very few of us. Uh, that uh, that are like that. Uh, so uh, so I, I'm not one of those. Absolutely. So efficiencies, um, uh, you always look for that. You always, um, you know, you give that direction. You you set targets for the chief, for the police, to say, look, you know, things are tough for all of us, uh, and uh, and just a modest increase in that budget uh, means uh, you know millions of dollars annually because we'll. We're well north of a billion dollars on uh, uh, for the police budget, um, but often, often when you get down to the nitty gritty, while you may uh, be able to achieve some 
some modest and mild uh, savings in the budget, depending on 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 how you know policing uh, is structured, uh, and 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 that has been done has been done over the years. In fact, I believe Tory brought in a zero increase police budget. Uh, uh, I think one or two years in a row during his uh, his tenure as well. Uh, certainly, um, uh, Rob Ford uh, sought to achieve that uh, was uh, was also um, a very uh, a very firm with the police. Uh, but often, really, what it means is fewer fewer cops, uh, fewer police, and and I think when you get to that to that, uh, I don't think that there's a there's a public appetite for it. Look, I represent Humber River Black Creek. You know, Jane Finch. Uh, we've you know we've uh, and I've been a counselor there for um, you know uh, seventeen years now, and I've never gone to a community meeting or an event or or a gathering of any sorts, and it's a very, very varied and mixed community where people don't say to me, uh, Anthony, we need more police. And, you know, we, we, we want a bigger presence all the time. Uh, you know, response times are, are, are down. For example, you know, Thursday night hits, Thursday, Friday, Saturday, Sunday, uh, during, the, uh, the, during the summer months and big events downtown. Uh, you know, basically all of the uh, suburban uh, police stations and police divisions, uh, you know, basically they, they go in and take out all the cops and, and bring them downtown to cover the big events. And we, we, lose all our, uh, we lose all of our officers. And then people say to me, Anthony, you know, like response times are really bad. We don't see them. We don't, we don't know where they are. And, and, and people want to feel safe uh, in, in their neighborhoods. Uh, so um, I don't believe that, that reducing the numbers of, uh, of police officers or cops out there is, is the way to go. And I, and I don't think that the conversations need to be had, uh, uh, you know, exclusively, you know, it has to be one or the other. I think, I think uh, we can maintain, um, you know, a, a decent, healthy complement of, uh, of police officers uh, out there, uh, you know, um, and, uh, and, uh, and at the same time, be able to deal with with uh, with our budgetary woes. Uh, it, it you know there's for me it's not there isn't any symbolism in that. Uh, I I know that uh, for example one of the last council meetings, not the last one, but with one before, there was a, mo- a motion brought in that that basically looked at taking some ninety thousand dollars out of the police budget and and or trying to move it somewhere else. First of all, you know we can't do that. I know that counselors sometimes put together these motions and say, this is what we're going to do. But but the reality is on the police budget, uh, it's the police services board that that puts it together, uh, affixes the number based on the chief's recommendation. Then it comes to council for a yay-nay vote. Uh, so we can say yay, we accept it and we pay for it, and the city provides the funds. Or we can say nay to that and and that's another side of the, the the story that often gets lost at council and we get we get caught up in these in these sort of flouty acrimonious debates and 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 often they don't go anywhere uh and we could say nay in which case then the police chief could say no sorry not good enough and it goes to a tribunal for arbitration they decide whether or not we we pay it or not it's not about us withholding the money so so we we, we like to believe we can do it uh, I, and I think that politically, if push came to shove, we we might be able to do it because I think that if council held firm on on something like that, that uh, then the the chief and the police services board um, would have to politically acquiesce. But uh, I haven't I haven't yet in all my years there 
been part of that conversation. I, that, it'd be interesting to see how that one goes. And I, I promise, Anthony, I, I realize we're asking a lot of uh, money-based questions, despite the fact that me and Matthew are not money-based people. But uh, as you mentioned um, earlier, we are in a it, close to a billion-dollar sh- budget shortfall in the city. And, you know, the city needs to be able to provide services. It needs to be able to – I mean, the city needs to be able to do what the city needs to be able to do. So I'm curious – um, what your plan is for uh, for getting the funds to fill that budget shortfall? So, um, so the other uh, uh, the other component, the other part of the plan is is simply this: uh, Torontonians currently pay uh, two point two billion dollars in property taxes uh, that we collect on behalf of the provincial government. As very few people actually know that, um, so. Uh, we just we just set that rate uh, at the last council meeting, the and uh, and people are going to uh, you know to 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 receive a, a property tax bill, uh, and we're going to do that. And what I'm saying is, it's high time for us to stop doing that, uh, to go out there, inc- you know, sort of incrementally increase people's property taxes just to collect the money to turn them over to uh, to Premier Ford and his government. Um, you know that that money is uh, is uh, is paid by Torontonians for Toronto. Was always intended to stay here. Uh, uh, there is, uh, you know, we can't afford to just simply uh, turn it over to those folks. That's two point two billion dollars uh, of, of monies that uh, that you and I currently pay uh, that we never see here. It just simply is shipped off to the uh, to the provincial government. But that has to stop. Uh, so what I'm saying is that. Um, uh, that if uh, you know Peruzza's elected mayor, um, uh, I, you know that that's the first order of business for me is to is to sit down with those folks and say, look, uh, we can't do this anymore. We'll collect the money, but we're going to keep it. Councillor, I, I want to ask uh, about the TTC. You know, ridership was down during the pandemic, and now you know we've had service cuts, but the the um, the cost. Uh, <laughs> The, uh, the the fair there that's the word I was looking for the fair went up and um, you know all these I don't know what you want to call them violent attacks on the TTC uh, you know the the RT is going to be uh, put out to pasture if it hasn't already happened it's going to happen soon all these things are happening and yet you know something I covered during the last election in October was that the CEO got a 21% increase. Because you're a member of council, I I, I would just, I'd love to know, I mean, because I didn't see the meeting, what the justification was and and what is your plan to get the TTC back, you know, back back in the shape that it was, maybe even going as far as pre-pandemic? Yeah, so I think it's wrong-headed for us. Uh, TTC is a public service. Uh, so we need to invest in the TTC and we need to carry it. Uh, so if, for example, you're not a user of the TTC um, and, and you're a driver, I often drive. Uh, I should be contributing to the TTC because uh, if, if you know people get on the TTC, it means also uh, that it frees up more road space for people like me that, that are in my car, for example, when I'm not taking the TTC. So it's something we all need to contribute towards. Uh, so service, it's wrong-headed for us to cut service. 
Uh, it's wrong headed for us to, uh, you know, to, to lengthen wait times for people. Uh, so we should always be looking to A, improve it, um, B, carry it, uh, and C, keep uh, fares affordable. Uh, and in fact, I, you know, my, my view would ultimately be uh, to have a nominal value, a, a nominal um, uh, a fare for the TTC, if not completely make it free for folks. That, that's where we should go. Uh, the TTC should be uh, seen as a as a uh, as a public service that we all pay into and should be provided uh, 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 for people to to use uh, willy nilly uh, to get around the city because it's this it's the way that we're going to make uh, the city work. So to look at it and and I know because uh, I've sat on the uh, I, I've been on the uh, on the TTC on the board itself. And uh, they look on they look at it as a business as a, as a property uh, to manage and um, and and while it's heavily subsidized, uh, but to manage it in a way where they where they sort of operate it like a business, uh, you know, like a private uh, um, you know transportation company, and and that's wrong headed. We can't we can't do that. Not uh, uh, not for a uh, uh, for a service as large as the TTC, and given its uh, economic importance, uh, uh, um, economic and social importance to the city of Toronto. Absolutely. Phil, do you have a question about the TTC? Oh, you know, actually, um, I'm hoping this isn't too, and it's not, it's not really a question. It's more of a, a thought on a, on a policy you had tweeted about on, uh, May 16th, uh, you talked about, um, uh, introducing a mayor's hotline and and i in in my mind the the main part about this that i like is sort of the idea of being you know being the mayor that is reachable i i assume that's that's sort of the basis for this idea um and although personally i feel like maybe a hotline you know that might be hard to manage i i sort of get the sense that perhaps just having a focus on on being reachable and like even responding to emails in a more timely fashion, uh, you know, might be a good, a good way to, I, cause I assume what you're trying to get at uh counselor is that, is that you want to be a reachable mayor, which I think is, is a great, is a great thing to want to go for. I, I, I just wonder, um, you know, maybe where did that thought come from? Did you get the sense that maybe the mayor was hard to reach for regular people? So the so the mayor uh, under the new system is 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 uh, is completely unreachable. Um, the the councillors are hard to reach uh, with the new uh, you know uh, call it the the mega city and given the the size of the wards or size of the districts. Uh, I know because I'm given you know a list of phone calls to make uh, daily uh, by my staff as a as a councillor uh, and and they. Uh, you know, try like heck to to make sure that they uh, that they reduce that list to a manageable level for me uh, all the time, uh, because it becomes uh, um, it becomes very difficult. But more importantly, is this so? So what I'm hearing more and more from folks, and and it's also be, uh, to some degree because uh, we are transitioning uh, the city from uh, sort of from uh, from a counter type service. Uh, whether it's you know whether you're you're wanting to pay a tax bill, whether you're looking for a building permit, 
Well, whether it, you know it's because you you had a you have a broken curb in front of your house or or there's a, or there's a dead tree you know that you want uh, that you want to have taken care of or removed. So uh, so there's lots and lots of issues for you to want to get a hold of the city, and we're transitioning from kind of a counter service uh, to an online uh, you know sort of hybrid with these new phone systems now that are very complicated, make it very, very difficult to reach people. So there's a sense of frustration from folks that you can't get through to the city. So you you put in a call to 311. Uh, yeah, they give you a tracking number and all the rest of it, but sometimes you don't see any activity uh, for weeks on end. Uh, so there's a, there's a sense of frustration from people that some things are not working. So the, the notion behind the line is not only to make the mayor's office and the mayor more accessible to Torontonians, uh, um, and and that's a part of it, but also to get a sense from people of what's working, what's not working, and what we should have um, as a first order of business uh, at every one of our council meeting is that that report, because senior staff, we need to find a way to hold our bureaucracy accountable for for what it is that they say they're going to do and how they're going to do it. Uh, the, the city of Toronto is very, very big. There's there's lots of layers between the city managers, uh, you know, so the, the top layer of the bureaucracy and on the ground people that are actually providing the services for folks. Uh, and we need to get the people at the top uh, to understand where the departments are working, where they're not working. You know, how are people accessing recreational uh, programs, for example? I know you got to get up at seven o'clock in the morning, log on to two, three devices, your computer, your phone, and then hope like hell that you get through and find something for your child, right, uh, to participate in. And often you're not able to find because it, they, they they clog up so fast. And there's no way for you to, to, to do it. There's no way for you to sort of say, yeah, you get on waiting lists. You have no clue as to whether or not you have a shot at a program, and it leaves parents in the lurch, it leaves kids in the lurch. Uh, you know, some of those things aren't working, and and people don't have a place to to sort of to say, "Hey, man, that's not working." You gotta you gotta figure out how to do that differently. You need to hear from people. So if I'm if so if if the mayor's office is not hearing from folks uh, in, in that sense, then how do you fix it? How do you deal with it? How do you hold the bureaucrats accountable? That's amazing. Uh... Uh, yeah, I couldn't have asked for a better answer. Um, Councillor, your position on the gardener, I'm, I'm interested to know about it. I'll, I'll be honest with you that um, I haven't had a chance to read your website. We're, we're, we're really, really busy here, so I do apologize. Uh, but your position on the gardener, whether you think it should be torn down, rebuilt, or a hybrid option, I'd love to hear anything you want to say about the gardener expressway. Yeah, sure. Uh, so, so I first voted uh, when when Tory brought in the uh, the first option. I voted against it because I looked at it and I thought, nah, you know what? We're rebuilding it in the same place, close to the lake. Doesn't make sense. It, that that's not good. And that vote uh, was a very very narrow vote. Uh, Tory won the vote, uh, but I didn't I didn't vote for it. I didn't support it. Not because I I wanted to take down a, a small little portion of the gardener, but because it didn't make sense. There were better options out there. And he wasn't considering them. Uh, so, you know, as counselors, uh, you know, uh, we, we, we propose, you know, the mayor disposes, right? Uh, so, so in that instance, you propose, he disposes, doesn't dispose the way you like, you say, I, I'm not signing on. I voted against it. Uh, but, he, but to his credit, he won it by a couple of votes. 
uh, it was the larger council at the time. It was the 44 of us. Uh, the vote was like 26, 23 or 25, 28. I forget, but it was very, very close. So he went away. He looked at it. He changed the alignment, uh, um, you know, as, as some of us were saying, uh, uh, was a tighter turn radius uh, and brought the alignment much, much closer to the rail lines, freeing up land, development land, and 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 giving us some options for housing and and uh, and other things near the lake. And then I thought, you know what, that's that's good. I can live with that. I can live with that as as the next iteration of the of the gardener. So, gardeners have been around for fifty plus years. Uh, kind of served the purpose, uh, you know, sort of, you know, running traffic uh, along our waterfront. Uh, I got it. I, a lot of, you know, urbanists, you know, rail against the, the the elevated highway and, oh, my God, nobody builds these things on stilts anymore. But, but you know, a lot of people are using it and, uh, and, it, and it connects. Uh, uh, there's a fluid connection to the to the uh, uh, DVP. So uh, so I supported that and I thought that that was a good way forward. Um, and because the the other proposal that was in front of us, the uh, at the time I believe it was Kismet, she was the the planner, was you know to take down a small little segment of it, bring it down to grade, and and build this boulevard and breaks kind of like you know sort of you know I, I you know create this break in the highway, and that may ultimately be the plan where you get rid of the gardener altogether and you get rid of the DVP altogether, and that may be the uh, um, uh, you, you know sort of the the way forward, but I didn't believe that it was uh, that we were there uh, um, at, at this point in time. Uh, we still need that that flow. Uh, you know, you still need to get goods and services into the downtown core. People still need to get there. People still need to get there to, to you know to for work and and other things. So uh, so that's what I voted for, and that's what I continue to support because to change tracks now in mid stride as well. Uh, you know, having uh, sunk a whole bunch of money into uh, into the project so far, it doesn't make sense to me. So, um, so when uh, when people like Councilor Matlow and others, uh, you know, want to just always revisit because there's always another way to do stuff. You know, at some point you got to make a decision. You got to move forward because otherwise you're always spinning your wheels and and then you make nothing but bad decisions, bad deals, and and you end up you know wasting uh, you know hundreds of millions of dollars of of useless money uh, and. Uh, and talk about inefficiency. That's, you know, that's one that's of the biggest inefficiencies that that we face all the time. Well, that's exactly what happened to the TTC. They kept having that conversation: subways or LRTs. Um, so I understand. But in terms of the gardener, I got to say, and correct me if I'm wrong, but aren't we one of the only municipalities that? actually pays for their own highway. I think that's that's ridiculous. And I mean, I know uh, Premier Ford has come out and, and already already laid the hammer down and said, we are not going to upload the, the cost of the highways to the, to the province. But I mean, that's what should happen. Would you agree with that or not? Uh, no, I, I, I'm one of those guys that, that believes that all our roads, whether <laughs> whether it's the Gardner, the DVP, um, you know, um, uh, all our major roads and minor roads, those are our arteries and veins. Those are those are the things that allow you to build the city you want, uh, because, the, you, you know, rail lines and, and hydro corridors and all of them, uh, the more of them you control, the more of them are, that are under your ownership, the more of them you can you can you, you can uh, change, alter, reshape. 
in order to build the city you want. It's when you don't have the ability to do that, uh, that uh, you get stuck. So for us to give uh, to give that asset that that the, the gardener or the DVP, for example, to the province, uh, um, it's it's an asset uh, that is absolutely invaluable to the future growth uh, and the future prosperity of the city of Toronto. And to give control of that uh, for a few bucks today uh, to to some other level of government or some other entity, uh, whether it's government or private, uh, and then and then and then hope to to be able to deal with those folks down the road when you want to do stuff is absolutely ludicrous from my perspective. Uh, so the, uh, you know, the, the gardener occupies a, a huge tract of land that is absolutely invaluable for the city of Toronto and its future. The DVP, uh, much the same. Uh, we had, then we have the ability to, uh, to manage, alter, change traffic flow on those streets. The conversation we had about taking it down or not taking it down. The minute you give it away, that that conversation becomes moot. There's you don't you no longer have that uh, the the ability to city build in and around those uh, those uh, those corridors. Um, you know, um, if for example we had uh, to some degree, and I'm not proposing this on your show, or <laughs> I'm not doing it later, but let's say we had uh, control over the 401. Uh, for example, the portion that runs through the city of Toronto. Uh, you know, just today I was making an announcement there where uh, where the um, uh, Ontario, I believe it's the Ontario Trucking Association estimates uh, that we could probably take about 21,000 big brick truck, traf- uh, truck trips a day off of the 401 and shift them on to the 407. Just truck traffic running through the city of Toronto, for example. That clogs up. Uh, that clogs up our four hundred one. Uh, and uh, and in my announcement today was basically saying, look, uh, the you know the four hundred seven owes the province of Ontario. Um, I don't know a, a, a couple of billion dollars now in 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 penalties and uh, and uh, and in fees because of the uh, because of COVID and because of their uh, the their uh, because of their. Uh, 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 you know their um, the, the the traffic on the, on the, on that highway, for example. Uh, wouldn't it be like? Wouldn't it be amazing if, for example, the the provincial government instead of just saying to to the uh, uh, to the folks that uh, that own the four hundred seven, the interest that own the four hundred seven, to say, look, you owe us a ton of money here. Okay, why don't we shift this? Why don't we use this money to shift these twenty one thousand? You know, big rigs that are flowing through the 401 onto the 407, so they can bypass the city uh, um, uh, more quickly. Uh, you know, free up some road space and and uh, and eliminate some congestion on the 401. And uh, and you folks allow them to do that. Like, why isn't the government looking at that? And if we had a more direct say in those kinds of things, then you have a more direct say in influencing what happens within your jurisdiction and how we manage uh, the the city of Toronto and its issues going forward. You know, I I actually feel like I, I can <clears throat> tie this together. Uh, I noticed, uh, uh, Councillor, today that you spent some time at the Ontario Place uh, for All event, the, the birthday celebration. And, uh, you know, I was thinking to myself what I could ask, you know, <laughs> sort of thinking maybe what a Mayor Perusa, you know, would envision the Ontario Place to be. But of course, that's not really up to uh, the city itself. I I don't believe that's because it is 
you know, up to the province, right? I think. But I guess my bigger question, based on uh, what we were just discussing, um, how how does the city fight back against the province, uh, you know, when they are opposed? Which I, I feel like sort of, it feels like we're in that position fairly often with this particular provincial government. Um, yeah. So, Peruzza, I don't think, uh, would fight the province. What Peruzza would do is, is work with the province. Look, he, here's what the city of Toronto, uh, and here's what, what the mayor of the city of Toronto, uh, what his or her greatest asset is, is the people of Toronto. You, they, they, they give you their support. You're in a, in a leadership uh, position. You're in a leadership role. You get to shape and you get to move people to a cause. If, uh, if we envision a, an Ontario place uh, that's very different than, than what the provincial government is intending to do, if we propose some ideas, if we as a city uh, propose some ideas in terms of how we would like to see Ontario place uh, build out. And if you and if you garner enough support from Torontonians to do that, the provincial government would not be in a position to stand in its way uh, and, and to stand in our way in providing an alternate vision of what Ontario Place uh, could be uh, for Torontonians and for Ontarians. Because at the end of the day, that's not so. So if, if you're the you know, I, I, I've been in, in uh, I've been at the province. And I've been in, in, in government at the province. It's not that the, that the provincial folks are sitting there looking at it and they're looking at, a, at an Ontario place that's, you know, that, that had its best days and, and, uh, and, and it's, a, it's a little worn for wear. Uh, and and they're, they're looking at it and, and, and saying, okay, what do we do? And, 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 they, and obviously as a, as a government, they've cobbled together a few ideas. I believe they're very, very bad ideas. I think the the spa ideas is just that it's just you know dumb as a bag of hammers. Quite frankly, I mean, just imagine uh, you know plopping. If you can visualize, uh, uh, for example, the uh, BMO Field, the stadium, and the size of BMO Field, it's you know you know in, in its magnitude, and you take that. And you plop that down at Ontario Place. That's what this spa thing is going to look like, right? So oh imagine God. that. Imagine that all shut off. Uh, you you going in there, uh, you not being able to get out anywhere because there's no access out to the public or anything like that. Uh, and and completely as a private kind of facility uh, for folks. But but what's what's even more uh, heinous from my perspective is that there's a huge public sector investment of some. Upwards of, I guess you start off at six hundred million, but probably top off much more than that because it's that's a very difficult place to build uh, for this massive parking structure that that they're proposing to build with with public monies. So when you start to dig there and water starts gushing up from the lake, uh, I suspect that the construction there will be very very difficult to achieve and will be very very costly. Much like you know the dome, you know the dome when we well now it's called the Roger Center. But when we first, you know, was first built out, it was supposed to be built for a pittance of what it ended up costing. And mostly because of what you're building on. You're building so close to the lake that, uh, that you know, in order to, to, cre- to create stability for these structures, you have to sink a whole bunch of money underwater, basically, to, to, to hold them up. So imagine that. Imagine us doing that. It just, it, just, it just really sort of, it's unspeakable. 
in terms of like what the what the idea or the proposition is. And then for someone else to come along and say, and by the way, let's move the science center. Let's move this beautiful, beautiful, iconic building, you know, uh, that, that that was designed by this famous architect, you know, Raymond Moriyama, and, and, and take that down. Uh, and and it, a building that slopes down into a ravine on very fragile land, most of it below top of bank, right? Take that and, and move it down to Ontario Place, uh, just so you you can you you can drop more housing on the parking lot of the Ontario Science Center up in up in Don Mills there. Just absolutely like dumbest. Like talk about bags of hammers, right? Well, so, I, I I will say first of all, it'll always be the Sky Dome. Um, Secondly, I don't know if you're aware of this, uh, Councillor, but there is another candidate who says that um, by building the therm down where they want to build it, there there are a bunch of different, I guess, uh, species of animals that are going to be displaced. And isn't there um, an avenue in that direction that that we could we could fight this? I, so 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 again again the the so so you can you can yeah you can you can look at at the wildlife there you can look at the species you can look at all of it you could take a look at the sensitivities of the land there's clearly there'll be lots of uh planning and and lots of other uh technical issues that uh where you could you could you could you know drive in little wedges to slow up the process uh, you know, to nickel and dime it, to fight it. And and those are all things that you would do if you fundamentally believe that what they were doing there was wrong is wrong. And I believe that. And and you would do that. But I think I think the the the, the fight there and the visioning has to be bigger than that. The city ha- of Toronto has to provide and we could provide very easy an alternate vision of Ontario Place. A vision that that we could get Torontonians to buy into that would make sense for Toronto and for Ontario. And if you did that, and if we did that, and if it had enough public and and it had broad support amongst the public, I don't believe for one minute that the province would, uh, because of some engagement or some contractual issue with a particular entity, uh, you know, they they could build the spa in many other places. And and I suspect that it would do just as well. It doesn't have to go down on, uh, uh, to Ontario Place, so so yeah, you, you you could do that. You could you could use all of those things, all of those little levers, you know, to fight it ad nauseum. But at the end of the day, the provincial government is the provincial government. It just kind of like you know, with a pencil, changes the rules and and is able to do what it wants, right? Uh, or uh, you, what you could what you could do is provide alternate visions, visions that are connected as well. By the way, to to a, another beautiful property right next door you know, the, the exhibition place, because it's, it's all interconnected. And if, and if it, and if you provide that vision uh, and, and that, uh, and that sort of, uh, you know, that public space, that public, uh, uh, um, uh, you know, place where people can go, uh, then, then I, I, then I think you win the day. I think, I think you win this fight politically way, way easier than you fight, than you win it uh, with lawyers and with, uh, uh, on 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 technical issues. Hey, listen, I'm sorry if I've been you know, a little, little long winded in my answers. All right. No, I appreciate it, especially to have um, you know, someone who who has more of the background knowledge of 
you know, working in city government because that's, you know, that's not everyone running for mayor. That's a very few people running for mayor. So I think we, or at least I know I, no, I'm speaking for Matthew too. We we appreciate your, your knowledge. Thank you so much. Um, thank you for that. I spent a long time acquiring it. I I prepared so well. The other my other questions they came so naturally to me, and now I'm now I'm at a loss. Let, 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 let me let me uh, so 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 let me fair uh, let me fill in some airtime here uh, while you <laughs> while you go back to the questions you you, you want to. So a housing plan. So I'm listening to all these folks talk about these grand creating these grand housing plans that basically go for naught, right? Because all of the plans are reliant on two things. One, a city money that the city doesn't have and will not have uh, going forward, irrespective of w these incremental little tax increases here and there or whatever people are talking about. And the second thing is uh, a, a housing plans that are dependent on a developer benevolence, either by you know cutting into their profit margins or um, or trying to extract affordability out of increased densities in in projects, okay? By giving them more height, more density, uh, you hope that oh, you know you, that they're going to create a few affordable units for you. And so we've taken that approach, and a lot of the housing plans that that are being proposed now continue in that approach. And the reason why we've built basically zero homes uh, um, with that approach is it's too complicated and too difficult uh, basically uh, to extract uh, um, affordable units uh, from that formula, um, you know, where, uh, and, and we've been trying to do that uh, since we declared the, these uh, housing sites vacant in 2019. And now it's like, I don't know, four or five years later, and we've still been we built zero housing basically uh, as part of the, the the city of Toronto's housing now program. We have this beautiful uh, model of housing up at York University. I, I don't know if you folks are familiar with it. It's called the Quad. So York University at the south end of the campus ever sort of put up these lands, uh, long term leases uh, to a to a housing provider, and uh, and they built student housing. When they first came out on the market, they were around a thousand dollars a unit, with basically no, no subsidy whatsoever, and even you know, even uh, you know, uh, basically, um, um, you know, with uh, with lease payments on the land, right? Uh, they're now those units. I think are renting for about at the top end about twelve hundred bucks a month. Uh, um, you know, little uh, sort of little. They're smaller units. But you know they have kitchenettes, they have washer dryer, they have you know they're they're really nice um, uh, little apartments. That's a model that that we that that is out there that is created that exists, and with our contribution of land uh, as a city to that form of housing, which is conducive to shelters, transitional housing, seniors housing, and uh, and smaller. Uh, you know, family uh, unit uh, uh, type housing. We could be building thousands of those within a couple of years with basically no city money, zero city money, just the land, uh, um, uh, the, you know, the waiving of fees, uh, the um, um, uh, some, uh, you know, some um, uh, tax savings over the, over the, uh, 
uh, a portion of the life of the, the the project themselves. We could be building those things for under and getting them to market under a thousand dollars a month. That's affordable. That's real. It's doable. The product exists. No city money, just city land, uh, and and it's already out there, right? Uh, and it would be so easy to do. And that's my, that's what I'm proposing we do on 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 some of the city sites that that we have. Uh, declared surplus, uh, and and that housing, that form of housing, uh, uh, could be up and occupied within a couple of years. It, it won't take another decade, you know, before somebody you know develops the plans, figures out how to do it. And and the other thing that where our housing is stuck now, it's stuck in a shifting market. You know, uh, construction materials have escalated in value. Uh, um, labor costs have escalated in value. Interest rates have escalated to the point where, and and that's why housing now is on the rocks, and it just kind of like it's not producing any housing anymore. Uh, so so this plan that was cobbled together by uh, by by Lau and and others, and and that has been you know touted by them, promoted by them, uh, sold to all of us uh, by them, has produced basically uh, zero units of housing, uh, and and will probably continue to produce zero units of housing uh, for the foreseeable future. Like we need to change tracks. You know, people are, are, are in desperate need of housing now. We could build it now. We could build it, you know, today uh, without all of that rancor. We should get oh. on with it. Fruits yep, so- for mayor. Absolutely. Absolutely. <laughs> so I have, I have landed on a thought, but I, I feel like, this could end up being a very quick question if the answer is simply no. And I, I guess it's really, uh, you know, the situation going on with the, the Eglinton LRT with Metrolinks. Um, is there, is there anything in the power of the city? Like what, what can be, I want to say like, what can be done? Um, because the whole thing just seems to be sloppy and messy, but is that entirely provincial? Is that, do we have any power in that situation? We we've only got the power of public opinion. Uh, so oh, as geez. a city, uh, well, yeah, but, but, well, you know what? But it's a very, very, it's 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 an incredibly powerful power, if if used properly and by and by the uh, and and by the right folks. So the power there is is that what what we need to do is we need to make sure that the provincial government steps in. Otherwise, this isn't going to get resolved for a long, long time. So, so what happens is when you hand over these big public works projects to to private companies. Um, so, irrespective of of how you tender them, when you when you when you tender them in this way, in the way that these folks have done it, is you get you you get a buildup in terms of disputes. We had to dig deeper there. We encountered piping there. We had to move services there. There was a delay here because we weren't able to do the work in the way we we had envisioned to do the work. So there was this big delay in being able to deliver the project. And and the other thing that really happens on on these projects is there's a huge escalation in costs over time. So you start off uh, uh, doing this thing, and and you know a meter of concrete is costing you X. So you build into into that contract, you build in certain number of, of years to say the price of concrete is going to is going to increase uh, to this level. Uh, 
But when when all of a sudden something happens, you know, like you get a war in Ukraine, for example, and all of a sudden all your steel is coming from, you know, from China in large part because you can't get it from your from your other sort of supply chain anymore. And the price, for example, in the period of six months increases 3000 percent. Right. You, you hadn't anticipated that. Right. And you hadn't you hadn't sort of, you know, uh, uh, Take a note of that. So that those become massive disputes, contractual disputes with the uh, uh, with the with, with your um, you know with the builder essentially here, which is Metrolinx. So so all of a sudden you got this massive price tag of disputes at the end of it, and really the only um, so the leverage that the contractors have uh, is is. How do we whittle that down? How do you guys, you know, pay us out before we deliver the project, right? Because once we deliver the project, we're in we're in in the courts for years and years after that, and most of it, uh, uh, you know, most of the, the the money there will be eaten up by lawyers and consultants and 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 the people that um, you know that that are hired to to, the, to fight those things. Uh, so first, these contracts don't work. We shouldn't do it that way. I think we did it much better with the TTC when we built, when we expanded the Spadina subway up to up to Vaughan, where the TTC was the project manager and contractor. It it it, it issued much smaller contracts to individual contractors for different components of the work. When one contractor didn't work, they fired that guy, hired another guy. When one guy couldn't tunnel under the Schulich School of Business because they were coming too close to the foundation, they went out and got a mining contractor to come in and kind of like head and dig the tunnel there where, where they couldn't do the same kind of boring. But you know what? At the end of it, you're able to deliver the project and be able to, to settle a lot of those disputes because you're doing it in much smaller bites. With Eglinton, they, they, the, the way that the government kind of, they, they basically set themselves up to fail. So what we need to do now as a city is we need to say, say, look, don't care. Don't care what it is. The government needs to step in, finish the project, and then figure out uh, who resp- is responsible for what later on. You guys go fight it out for as long as you like uh, later. You know, Put up some of the money uh, so, that the, so, that the, um, so that the consortium is comfortable in knowing that, uh, that if they are owed some monies out there, uh, that they can they'll be able to access it in some way you know develop build in whatever arbitration process you want to do that you can agree to, to to settle some of those things but now what you need to do for us is you need to deliver the project and, and you need to finish it and you need to open it up to the public because you felt the city of toronto ransom for far too long you've killed all kinds of businesses along the route you've disrupted uh, uh the, the the economy of the city uh, you know, through through the life of the project in a in a very very harsh and hard way. Um, so uh, so yeah, that's and, and that's what the city of Toronto needs to do. It needs to step in and needs to say, "Don't care, folks. You, you got a problem here? You go figure it out, but finish the project. Get off our roadway." Because and and then yes, we do have some levers as it relates to permits and things like that for road closures. We can make it harder for them. It, it 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 does put some pressure on uh, on them to sort of you know come to their senses. Uh, but at the end of the day, it's really it's it's the power of public opinion. It's the power of the public. And if and if it if if we can sort of turn that to to uh, to to a situation where 
you know, the the premier and the government is going to wear the the, the fiasco and and uh, and and wear it in a hard hard way. I think that that's the that that's the influence uh, that we have there and an influence that we can exercise for sure. And it's real. It's not a you know it's not some pie in the sky thing where we're going to sue them for billions of dollars and 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 you know. 20 years from now when that lawsuit is resolved and, and the lawyers have eaten up all the money, figure out how to give a few pennies to <laughs> some businesses that long ago disappeared, right? Uh, Counselor, I realize that we're kind of over our, our uh, time that I, that I did uh, say that this was going to take, but if, if you'll uh, begrudge me one more question, I just thought of a great one, actually. Um, hey, listen, you guys, <laughs> you guys could always, you could, you could, always, I was the first, you could always bring me back. <laughs> I would, I would, I would love to bring you back. Even Happy to have you back. Absolutely. Um, my question's about FIFA. Uh, you know, in the newspapers, um, they state that MLSE is going to reap all the benefit, and the city's going to be stuck with all the costs. And I'm just wondering, what's your your feeling on that? I'm unaware of uh, if you did vote, how you voted, uh, but I, I'd love to hear anything that you want to say about the, the FIFA deal. So remember, I, I said earlier on, councillors propose, <laughs> mayors dispose. Yes. So, so yes, I, I supported the uh, I supported the FIFA deal. I think we could have negotiated a better deal. I think there's some gaps there, uh, we where we could have done better. Uh, but but overall, I look at it and and the tournament. You know, it's 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 a it's a magnificent tournament. It it puts you know uh, soccer as a as a game on the map. It puts Toronto. You, you know, gives us a huge spotlight during one of the biggest uh, sporting events in, in, on the globe. Uh, it, it'll bring, uh, you know, hundreds of millions of dollars in, uh, you know, in, in, uh, in income and uh, in tourist dollars into, into the city. Uh, and, and just for, for sport itself and for young people, uh, what it does, I, I, I looked at, so I have a little boy, just turned eight. Uh, and uh, he got to see that the World Cup there in Qatar uh, that they had, and he absolutely became a massive fan of soccer. You know, it's like all soccer. He he walks around with a soccer ball. He and and he now he knows the the soccer stars and you know Messi and and Demi, you know, and Ronaldo and all the rest of it. And, and you know, I, I it's just it's it's amazing stuff, right? And and. Uh, and and to deny um, kids like that, you know those dreams and and the and the ability to say, man, it happened here, right? I, I just it's uh, it's it's too powerful a temptation, and uh, and that's why I supported it. But sure, uh, could could we have done uh, better there? And in, in terms of in terms of the deal, I I, I suppose we could have because we are putting a we are putting a lot into it. Uh, some of it is is going to be very very useful. Some of it is going to be very good. Some of the improvements that we're going to make to uh, to the field and the facilities here are going to be great uh, for for soccer going forward as well. So, so yeah, you can always second guess yourself, but I I'm uh, I'm a happy supporter. Okay. Hey, that uh, that sounds good to me. You know, I want to thank you so much for for coming on and uh, letting us know what a mayor Peruzza government would look like. Anything that you want to say to our listeners directly? You know, these we're 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 big in Ontario um, because it's a it's a Toronto podcast. <laughs> um, yeah. Anything that you want to say to the voters, why they should vote for you? Don't forget to include your website and anything else you want to say. The floor is yours, my friend. 
<laughs> well, thank you so much. Uh, just basically to, to recap, you know, uh, my campaign is about affordability. I'm saying no to property tax increases while uh, while Torontonians are having a, a sort of a difficult time, uh, you know, after the, the COVID crisis during the, this recovery. I'm saying no to any fee or TTC fare increases. Uh, and what I am saying to uh, yes to is a new deal with the provincial government. We currently collect uh, $2.2 billion of monies that we turn over to them out of property taxes. That has to stop. We can't afford that anymore. And it's crazy for us to, you know, perpetually increase property taxes for people, uh, whether you own a home or you rent. You know, you rent 20% of your rental, uh, um, you, you know, 20% of your rent goes towards paying your property taxes. You know, ten, and it's, it's, it's a little known fact that tenants disproportionately pay a higher rate of property tax uh, than uh, than than people who live in uh, in uh, in uh, in single family housing uh, 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 generally. So uh, so I, I I'm saying that I, and uh, uh, you know and uh, uh, and the other thing that that I I believe is really really important and and um, you know we haven't uh, paid a lot of attention to uh, uh, during this campaign is is uh, the benefit of experience as it's you know as you said earlier your in-depth knowledge of how the city works. But it's not just that. The experience that allows you to sit there and make decisions and deals uh, that are better. Uh, we often, you know, I've sat in the, uh, in the room with, uh, uh, you know, with, uh, um, uh, I believe, four mayors now, Lastman, uh, Miller, Ford, and Tory, uh, when they've taken good decisions and bad decisions. Uh, and I can tell you, uh, I've seen uh, the good decisions. I've seen when they've made the bad decisions and how they could have done them differently. And I think what you get from a Peruzza mayoralty going forward is you get the application of that experience to make sure that uh, that the bad decisions, the bad deals, uh, that we avoid the bad decisions, that we avoid the bad deals, uh, where we just think money into into things that never bear any fruit. So that's what you would get from a Peruzza. That sounds Maybe. amazing. And uh, again, I want to thank you uh, for, for coming on the show. And uh, you, you took us to school today. Like, that was amazing. <laughs> um, and we wish you nothing but luck on the campaign trail. You know, we're excited. We're excited for this election. We get a, we get a fresh reset. And we're excited for the city of Toronto, finally, to get it right this time. Well, this is it. Maybe... You you can get the polling comp uh, the polling outfits that are polling out the supposedly the polling out companies to add my name to the polling thing right. Well, yeah. it, don't, I... don't add don't add me as an attachment at the end of the thing where it falls off the table. Add me in the <laughs> middle somewhere, right? Add Peruzza. test it. Well, funnily enough, you know, we actually talked about doing our own polling uh, because we don't trust the polling that happens um, by by the media. Um, but we're, we're still working on that issue. <laughs> uh, fair enough. Fair enough. And, and if you do the, do that, I don't say, you know, add me to the top of the list, but put me somewhere there where, where somebody doesn't have to stay on the phone for 20 minutes before <laughs> they can push the button on your name. All right. That sounds good. Thank you. So again, so much for, <laughs> for, for, for coming on. Matthew, Philip, it's been a pleasure. Okay. Thanks to you for the, thank you for the opportunity to expound about city issues. Uh, um, um, to some degree. And we trust that you'll spread the word to the other counselors. I love to have <laughs> them all on. <laughs> uh, uh, absolutely. Uh, 
I'll, I'll, I'll explain, I'll, I'll let them know what a wonderful experience it's been. Right. And, and, uh, and what an opportunity it will be for them. Thank you so much again. Uh, Have a great night. Listen, you too, guys. Thank you so much. Take care. And that was Councillor Perusa running for mayor. Oh my God. We got, we got the councillor, Matthew. Oh, the councillor was on. It's almost like, it. it's almost like, and this is no disrespect to any other counselor, but if you had to choose the perfect counselor to do our first interview with a sitting counselor, even though it's because he's running for mayor, he's the perfect choice. And I don't say that because say very... I don't say that because he was the one we interviewed. I say that because <laughs> I mean, for anyone that just heard that interview, li listen, I mean, he is very, you know, Probably I didn't agree with everything, but he gave reasons for why he, like his voting record, he gave reasons. And I, I respect that so, so much. So thank you again to Councillor Perusa for that interview. So, Phil, let's talk about it. Uh oh. So last week, while we were recording, during the time while we were recording, the Daily Bread Food Bank debate was happening. I'm curious right. if you've seen any of it or you've seen the big thing that we're going to talk about right now. So I imagine really the main thing that I I didn't see too much of it. Uh, now, I, I know there's a couple of things that have sort of came born of the, the Daily Bread debate. The big thing I imagine you're talking about, you know, I'll get there. I won't I won't jump to what I assume that is. But uh, I mean, we did get some fun sound bites, for example, from uh, uh, Municipal's favorite counselor, mayoral candidate, Brad Bradford, uh, talking about Paul in the basement. Um, you know, and, and shout out for real shout out, Bradford, for, um, you know, the whole kind of coalition that's against uh Bradford, Saunders, Bailau, you know, they did a song making fun of, you know, hashtag free Paul. It's very funny. And Brad Bradford, you know, in stride, took the joke, made it a part of his campaign. Shout out to him. Very funny stuff. Actually, um, Matthew, do you even do you know what I'm referring to when I talk to when I talk about hashtag free Paul? Should I give a little background? Perhaps. Huh. Okay. Uh, so my understanding of the situation is that that was Brad Bradford's attempt at sounding understanding of the rental crisis, uh, where he talked about his best friend, Paul, renting his basement apartment in his house, in Bradford's house, uh, for $1,000 a month. Now, to his credit, $1,000 a month is, a, is great for rent in Toronto. You know, that is a deal. And good for good for Bradford, I guess, for giving that deal. But, you know, the the main takeaway is how unrelatable it is. Like Bradford saying, I understand the housing crisis is hard in this city. I'm a landlord. Let me tell you about it. It's like, no, man, no, 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 no. That's not that's not the context you want to talk about the housing crisis in the city, man. But, uh, you know, again, I'm glad he was able to make a joke out of it. Uh, good for him. Now the the highlight I'm referring to is the <laughs> we we had another what was that 
lady that stormed on stage in 2018? Faith Goldie. Ah, Faith Goldie. And then this past election season, Reginald Tall. And now we can add another name to a uh, stage stormer of a debate. Mr. Kevin Clark. Now, it's interesting because... So, well, we'll give you the lowdown and then and then I'll get into it. So he storms the stage. Um, not a lot of what he said was audible. I actually didn't understand any of it. Um, maybe you did, Philip, but I didn't. Um, and the police had to physically remove him and the backdrop almost fell um, on the on the contestants that were on the stage. And... I guess it really comes down to it because ever since this happened this past week, there have been arguments against Kevin Clark, but also for him. Why don't we hear what he has to say? All the people on the stage are afraid of what uh, uh, to debate him. They don't want to hear what he has to say. And, and I under, I understand that side, but, on the other side, you have someone who is not part of the debate storming the stage, demanding to be heard. Um, I'm interested on what side you fall on, uh, Phil. Go ahead. Take it away. Very, you know, very interesting that you would ask me this because I do feel like earlier in the week, I think I would have just very easily sided with, uh, oh, he wasn't invited. He shouldn't have stormed the stage. Uh, so to be clear, I'm not immediately jumping 100% the other way, but I think some, a lot of people have brought up some really good points, including, you know, the fact that this was a mayoral debate on the subject of, you know, poverty, really, that was the big line item of this debate. And we're not, and they didn't invite the candidates who have lived experience, you know, living in poverty. And that includes Kevin Clark. So I understand that frustration. Um, and sometimes it, it's it's the hard thing where we've, I've said it to you before. We've talked about some, some of the candidates who, who talk about the media almost owing them some sort of attention, which as, as I've said before, it's not the case. Media doesn't owe them any time or attention. Um, but if you're if you're passionate about something and you feel like it's it's hard to get your message out, I can understand what I can understand what he did. You know what I mean? But here's the thing, Phil. He does not own the more is it moratorium? He does not own the moratorium on poverty. Because as we know I, I, absolutely fair. As we know, we have other candidates. One that comes to mind is your boy, Gru. And I, yeah, he was, and I, I was thinking Gru, of him when I said. I didn't see Gru storming the stage. Um, you know, I think it's not me justifying his position. I think it's me just saying, I, I get where he's, I think I get where he's coming from. It's not, again, it's not entirely a justification. Yeah, um. I, you know what? I, I agree with you there. Um, but unfortunately, especially in a, in a 
in a, in a campaign race with 102 candidates, there's no way, no how to make a debate work, one single debate with all 102 um, candidates. And I think this is a perfect... And that, that's absolutely true, yeah. I think this is a perfect segue to let our listeners know that the municipals and the Etobicoke Voice are going to be co-hosting and bringing to you this weekend, this coming weekend, Saturday, May 27th, there's going to be two debates, um, one after the other, one at 4 p.m. and one at 6 p.m. That will be, will be, that'll be our contribution to the, uh, uh, to the debates. Um, Unfortunately, we couldn't get every, candidate on board uh either they said no or they didn't answer me or they had no no information of for me to contact them so there will only be two debates um and i hope you guys enjoy them we are going to release them on uh youtube under well i'll have to change it but the previous youtube channel that i was using was this time in history but I'll, i'll change it over to the municipals and we're going to be releasing the debates only as debates, uh, no commentary from me and Phil, as bonus episodes this weekend. Isn't that amazing, Phil? I love that. That's going to come out quick. Yes. <laughs> um, so we have that to look forward to. Uh, and before we go to our next interview, there is one thing I wanted to cover, because I think you and I, we, we don't agree on this what I wanted to talk about, and I, so I oh. want to talk about it. Oh, it's not. So it's not we, life or death or anything. No, but we have a candidate who released a pledge. I guess is what I'm going to call it. Uh, should he win the mayor's chair? And I'm, of course, I'm talking about a pledge from from our buddy, our friend, Kiri Vetivelu of the. Uh, MSA, I can't remember what it stands for. Municipal Uh, Socialist Alliance. Boy! Whatever. (laughs) So, it's under the hashtag decriminalize now. And it says, I, Kiri Vetivelu, pledge upon my election as mayor of the City of Toronto to put a motion before City Council requesting an, an exemption under the Controlled Drugs and Substances Act to allow for the possession of drugs for personal use within the boundaries of the city of Toronto. And this was on May 17th. I got to know what you have to think about that. <laughs> Sorry. It, mid, mid thought, it re, it dawned on me that this was a, an audio <clears throat> podcast and not a visual one. So nobody could see my, my flat face as I uh, thought very hard of how I wanted to approach this. This, oh my God, Matthew, Matthew, this is an interesting topic. It's a, it's a hard topic, you know? Um, well, actually, maybe that's how you can tell where I'm leaning when I say it's a hard topic, because I imagine if you're opposed to this, and I'm not saying your position, but if you're opposed to this, maybe that's very easy to just say, actually, I hate this. This is dangerous. Matthew, is that your position? Uh, 
generally speaking, <laughs> yeah, but I'll I'll expound on that when you're done. But relatively simply, um, where it 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 ties into our conversation of like safe supply versus <clears throat> versus treatment and all that other stuff. Um, I am. Oh, Matthew, you put me in in, in quite me the go? position. Do Do you want me to go? You know, I, you go. I got a couple issues because, okay, first of all, oh, first of all, I'm against it. I mean, that's not a secret. But here's my, I'm going to pick this apart now. You see, it says drugs. It doesn't specify. So are we talking marijuana, maybe a little hash? Are we talking heroin, crack, cocaine, uh, 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 fentanyl? I'm sure there's one I'm missing. MDMA. I'm not a drug person, so I don't know the. the no, the funny thing, Matthew. The the thing is, you're you're jumping straight to the hardest drugs, thinking that you're making like this, like you're like that has to be a rhetorical leap. But I'm telling you, Matthew, they are referring to those drugs. Those so, hard so, drugs. They are so referring why, to why, why, <laughs> why would you decriminalize them? Like, it's, I it's, know that. Listen, okay, I, I know that people are are there. There are drug addicts. I'm not. I'm not stupid. There are drug addicts in this city, and they're addicted to a whole host of different drugs. But if you not, I I understand that decriminalizing is not the same as legalizing. I understand that. However, that's a moot. I, I think that's a moot point when you're talking about allowing people to to go around with a controlled substance in, in in their on their possession, on their body, whether it's for personal use or to sell. Because let's be honest, you stop someone. They're going to be, oh, yeah, that's 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 my shit. It's not, I'm not selling it because that's what every drug dealer says. I, no, it's 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 my stuff. Um. These drugs kill people, man. I have seen crack addicts. I've seen coke addicts. I haven't seen a heroin addict yet, thank God, but I, I know they exist. Um, and, and like I told you, it was either the last week or the week before, fentanyl killed my one of my brothers. So I take this shit very seriously. I, I'm so against this. Um, and, and to go back to the interview, I don't know if it was last week or the week before, I can't remember. It all bleeds together for me, but our interview with Giorgio, where he said, um, and, and, and indirectly, I apologize because I'm not trying to tie this back to carding, but you, the guy can go around with, I think he said 2.5 milligrams or something um, in, on the person and, and you can't follow them back to their stash. I don't know if that plays into this, and if if it doesn't, tell tell me, tell me I'm wrong. But I mean, I just I'm against this, and you know that we like Kiri. We we do. He's a gr- oh, he's yeah, yeah. so friggin' smart. I I have to ask because it's MSA. Is this a directive from this? Is remember 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 when we uh, uh, when the floodgates opened and registration happened and Kiri was there? One of the points that I made against Kiri, unfortunately, because I like him, is are his directives going to come going to come from him or the MSA? So my question is, is this directive from him or is it from the MSA? I'd l- now I'm going to shut up because I, I need to know your thoughts. 
See, I, I make it hard because it's it's not. I think the main purpose of of decriminalization is, and I, I think the main purpose of decriminalization is to reduce the stigma around users, so that they can. Uh, I I think the topic is is very complicated it's it's why i have a hard time having a very strong definitive stance i my understanding is you know a part of decriminalization is reducing the social stigma not to make it more acceptable to do drugs but to make it more acceptable for those who are already doing the drugs to seek treatment without it being a criminalizing effect now i'm sure that's a very small part of it i it just i feel like it's it's a very deep topic and it's and what's interesting and what i find very interesting that this is a position by by kiri you know our socialist mayoral candidate is that i i kind of feel like this is a very uh libertarian position um you know the sort of my body my choice to the extreme of you know even allowing myself to to put dangerous stuff you know what I mean? Yes. Like it feels very libertarian and not not particularly socialist. And uh, so now we're going to go to our uh, final interview. So we'll see you on the other side. And welcome back. Phil and I are joined by 2023 wow. mayoral candidate Selena Caesar Chavanis. Chavan. Chavan. Ah. Sometimes I mess up names, but welcome to the show anyway. <laughs> Thank you for having me. We, we are so happy that you are here. We are eager to learn about your, your policies. Maybe uh, if you can highlight even three things that you'd like to change should you win the mayor's chair. Please go ahead. The floor is yours. Yeah, so I don't I really don't even have three things because I think the number one thing will filter into social housing, social assistance, and transit. And the number one thing that my platform really prioritizes is gathering or generating different revenues for Toronto. So having sustainable, predictable funding that grows with the economy allows us to have dedicated funding that is earmarked for social assistance and social housing that allows us to then use our property taxes for public services and user fees for private goods. So it's it's one main pillar that filters into three specific areas. And I think if we're not talking about different revenue sources for Toronto, having 95% or more of our property tax property taxes covering everything is not a sustainable way to run a city. And according to research, it's not a sustainable way to run a big city like Toronto. And in terms of, uh, I, guess, I guess we're talking about revenue tools, what, uh, what did you have in mind? So people may or may not know that I used to be a member of parliament. And so leveraging those relationships with the existing federal government, but also, also not just the economic power, but the political power that exists in Toronto to decide that with, with those, those, 
capacity of individuals who could vote to carve out a percentage of the GST that goes directly to Toronto. Now, people may think, Selena, this is a crazy idea, but stay with me for a moment. Right now, every dollar of taxes that we pay, 50 cents goes to the feds, 40 cents goes to the province, and 10 cents goes to Toronto. Now, remember, in Ontario alone, only Ontario, the only province where social assistance and social housing are downloaded to the municipalities, we should be getting more than 10 cents. So carving out a percentage of the GST and eventually the HST as well, but for now I have relationships with the feds. So carving out a percentage of the GST, taxes you already pay, so not new taxes, taxes you already pay to say that that money is going to be earmarked specifically for social social assistance and social housing. And so then what happens is that bucket of money that says property taxes is not paying for social housing and paying for social assistance and paying for transit and then paying for snow plows and lights on and parks cleaning and everything else. It's actually paying for what it should be paying for. And that's how you run an efficient and effective and resilient and self-sustaining big city like Toronto. I like what I hear. Philip, do you have a question? (laughs) You guys, can you guys still hear me? Yes, we can. We can hear you now. Yep. Oh, let me see. Okay. Um. So I was gonna say, uh, I'm very happy that you brought up revenue as the number one thing. I, mm-hmm. I consider myself a very progressive guy, and a lot of times when we talk about, um, you know, policies, a lot of times we don't talk about the financial aspect of it, and for the most part, I am okay with that, but. The city of Toronto right now is in, what, a near billion dollar shortfall? Something Word. like that. And, Word. and we and we need we need the city to provide good services and, you know, transit and, and everything. And if the city just collapses financially, we get none of that. None of that happens. Right. So I'm very I'm very glad that your number one pillar is is the revenue aspect. Yes. Um. Now, it sounds like um, what you're saying is that we would give give less of our tax revenue to the province. Is that is that what you're implying? Uh, I don't care who we give less of the revenue to, as long as more of it comes to Toronto. <laughs> I, no, I, I, I couldn't care less. I'm, but right now, right now, I'm, to be I'm honest okay. With you, I'm okay. I'm okay with taking. To be perfectly honest, I'm okay taking from the province. You know, me too. Um, me too. But I what I'm what I'm is... doing, what I'm proposing, is to, is going for the federal government first. So even if we take one or two cents from the pro- from the feds now, and takes one or two cents from the province later, it's where I have the relationship. So I'm going to be realistic, and I'm going to say I'm going to do it within two years. <clears throat> sorry, oh, go sorry, ahead. I was, I, no, I no, you want go to ahead, Phil. My thought. Um, well, and I guess it's more it's more partisan hackery in my mind, where it's um you're absolutely correct. I I do think that you're more likely to get more bending from the federal this particular federal government yeah. versus this particular provincial government. So yeah. you know it makes sense. That's a that's a very you Phil, know you're actually looking at the situation. Phil, I was born at night, but not last night. So, <laughs> <laughs> but so, so many, I know so many so many candidates so it are does acting make sense. as if. 
it makes perfect sense because I have the relationships and I don't think that the province, uh, so it's not that I, I have anything against Doug Ford. It's just that I have the relationships there and I want it to be done in two years so that I have skin in the game. So I have a three-year term left. And if I don't get it done within two years, Toronto is going to give me a very hard time in my third year. And they mo they might not give me a fourth. And so I really want to be clear that I'm riding with Toronto. I'm not saying I'm going to do some pie in the sky, empty promise thing. I'm going to, I'm saying, and I'm promising that I'm going to get this done because if we don't get sustainable, predictable funding for social assistance and social housing, we are going to leave people behind because they are unhoused, because they are suffering possibly from mental health addictions and, and crises. And we're, we are leaving people behind in a climate change crisis that is going to live the, leave the poorest and most vulnerable behind. And that is not what I'm interested in. So I'm, I'm going to go where it's easy. Yes, because I have the relationships, but I think it's important that Toronto knows that I'm riding with them. I'm putting skin in the game. They could hold me to account with the promises that I make and not just say, well, meh, the feds didn't do it. I'm putting my relationships on the line, but I'm also putting Toronto's political power on the line. Look at the 2015 election. Look at 2019. Look at 2021, then when there shouldn't have been an election. Guess what happened? Toronto showed up for the feds. And it's now time for the feds to show up for Toronto. I like the sound of that. I really do. Um, going along with revenue tools, is there... Is there room to look for certain files uh, for efficiencies? The biggest one, of course, <laughs> is going to be the the police budget. It is that is that on your to do list? Is that at least because a lot of people, uh, you know, we have to go all the way back to Rob Ford to find a mayor who was willing to look for efficiencies in the in the police budget, and I'm just wondering if that's something that you might consider. Right. So 100%. So I, I think when we talk, so we, we need look no for, further than last night at the Daily Red Food Bank, where <laughs> the only, where one of the candidates who has been homeless, who actually could speak with authority to homelessness, speak with authority to poverty, speak with authority to reducing recidivism rates to have our, safe, our city safe, was escorted out with Toronto police. I mean, I don't want to swear on your show, but that requires some swearing. And so, so when we when we think about so so let's let's not let's not make this Selena eyes. Let's not make this a Selenaism. Toronto Police Services has a race-based data platform that shows where a gaps exist. And I'm I'm a researcher. I'm, I'm not going to pretend that I'm anything other than a researcher. I'm on the Black Scientist Task Force at the City of Toronto. I love research. Their research shows where there are existing gaps. So leveraging those gaps to say, okay, you don't need more money for training, Toronto Police Services. You don't need more money for mental health calls. What you need is to reallocate those resources. So this is not about defunding because I know a bunch of people will be, oh, she's a black woman talking about defunding. No, we're actually talking about reallocating revenues that have gone to a service that their own data shows should be going to housing, 
should be going to reducing recidivism rates, should be going to other services. And I want people to understand that the University of Washington has done a study around those investments. So taking that money and putting it into community-based services that reduces crime and increases safety in our communities, there's an 11 to one return. So for every dollar you put into community-based services that protect communities, you get an $11 return. How, Selena? How is that possible? Because you're getting people who would otherwise go into the, the criminal justice system to now be with their family going to events, buying a house, using their money to buy services to boost the economy. So yes, it makes sense to not put more money into a, a, a police budget, but put it into places where you get an 11 to one or more return. Absolutely. You know, uh, I know you said you were a, a federal MP, so I, I'm not sure if you're aware, but Every year that John Tory was the mayor, the police budget has gone up significantly, at least. Oh, I'm aware. Oh, okay. I wasn't sure. And my second question was, uh, and this may be, uh, it might be a silly question, but I have to ask, are, are we the only police force in Canada? Like, does Ottawa have a mounted police service as well, or are we the only ones? So I, I can't speak to that, and I, I won't speak to the depth and breadth you know, of that, of the police services and what they do provide. And I'm not saying there isn't a role for police. So if we look at uh, O'Brien Tobin, who was the accused in the, the Keel Street um, uh, murder, he was arrested many times. What I want to focus on is the parts of the equation that failed that required him to get arrested so many times. So the police did their job. So I'm not saying that there isn't a place for police, but there is what we need to really focus on is those social services, which again, if we carve out the GST, will be earmarked for that. Those social services that failed, mental health supports, access to employment, access to housing. This young man who is accused was arrested because he was supposed to show up at a shelter. He didn't have his ID for the shelter, so he went somewhere else and was arrested for not being in the shelter. Wow. This is a failure of our system. And it's not because the system actually, the services are failing. It's the system that doesn't have sustainable, predictable funding to be able to bolster capacity and capability for services that can help individuals like that, that could prevent crime, that could keep our communities safe. So if we're not having a holistic view of, 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 of keeping people safe, it's not about mounted police or whether we have a, a helicopter or whatever. It is about saying police do their job. Now let's let the rest of the social services and housing do their job in an adequate, sustainable, predictable, grow the economy way. And if that doesn't happen, we're going to be keep having this arbitrary, silly conversation about policing. Policing is it's the only thing that's being funded. So it's the only thing that we go to. That's true. That's true. Uh, we do have other issues we could talk about. Like, uh, I, since you brought it up, I wanted to ask, would you, would part of your platform, um, 
I guess maybe not because you've already discussed uh, uh, the GST, but would you request the government, uh, I guess, upload back the cost of the the social services? Like I'm, I'm specifically yeah. talking about uh, ODSP and, and OW. I'm assuming that's what you meant by those costs were downloaded to us. No, no. Oh, that's not All- what you meant. So social assistance programs and social housing, those files are downloaded only in the province of Ontario to the municipalities. So whether you're talking about Oshawa or you're talking about Hamilton or you're talking about North of us, they're all having the same issues with funding. Okay social assistance and social housing. So Toronto right now has the capacity, has a leadership moment, has the capacity to lead to say, no, we know all of Ontario is struggling, especially post pandemic. Let's lead in this and say that we're going to carve out a percentage of the GST. And so the, 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 so yes, we're, what we're doing right now is having these little sidebar conversations about, oh, you know, Doug, can you help us with this? And oh, Justin, can you help us with that? Nah, <laughs> we're not about that life anymore. Let's say we carve it out for, for social assistance to social housing and pay for those with a dedicated stream of funding. But also at the same time, if you look at my platform, I'm not just talking about saying to the feds in the province, let's just, you know, work on this negotiation. I'm also saying, let's actually run the corporation of the city of Toronto like it should be run, like a big city. And look at what is actually working within our system, what's not working, carve that out. Build capacity. There's great organizations that are working really well. Um, uh, zero violence, uh, uh, Operation Zero Violence, um, that's run by Louis Marsh. I'm, 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 mis- I'm messing up the name, but uh, Peach Foundation run by Tiffany Ford. Like, let's put some resources into those organizations so they could build capacity and they could build capability and they could start to replicate what they're what they're doing within our city so that we're not we're not spinning our wheels here and i think right now that's what we're doing we're spinning our wheels and we're hoping that things work out for us but they're they're not actually working and you know youth without shelter doing amazing work but they need capacity building and they need to build their capabilities as well and dedicated funding would allow for that to happen I couldn't agree Across more. Ontario. Uh, in terms of the TTC, uh, the dedicated funding that you're referring to, is that going to be able to help the TTC or is the the plan right. is the plan to make the TTC, I, I don't know if the right phrase is self-sufficient by itself. Um, your thoughts on the TTC. So I have so much thoughts on the, on the TTC. First of all, it should be self-sustaining. Um, eventually what I want to do with this entire plan is to make sure that everything within the corporation of the city of Toronto is self-sustaining. So the TTC has a a capacity to do that. If we look at other revenue streams, so parking levies, which can be equitable. So I want to be very clear that when we talk about parking levies, we're not talking about putting it in the poorest of neighborhoods or anything like that. In fact, what my plan says is to have fair equity zones in those poorest of neighborhoods. So we're not talking about that, but we're talking about in a society in which we have collective responsibility that we, we 
pay for each other in, in ways that if you're going to continue to use your car, if you're going to continue to go to the mall with your car, you're not going to use THC and you're not going to be a steward of our environment by using that, then yes, because it's more than the TTC. We have a real climate crisis that we should be talking about and there should be an ability to do that. However, I think beyond that, when we talk about the current connectivity or the cellular services on the TTC, Rogers, and I'm not disparaging Rogers, but Rogers um, bought over an existing company, the arm of, of the Toronto company, a company that was not servicing the people of Toronto. TTC should have said, you know what? If any, if you, if anybody had come to your place and said, I'm going to do a service and then they don't do it, you cut them and then you get someone else to do that service. The TTC did not do that. Rogers went in, bought the Canadian R for a nominal amount. Instead of TTC saying, I'm going to cut that, provide an open, an open a bid, have Rogers, Bell, Talus, all of the big dogs come in and bid for it, which would have meant that the TTC would have gotten more money instead of nothing with a, a deal done with Rogers. I don't, I don't know if it was back door, it could have been front door, side door. I don't care what door it was done, but they could have gotten more money if they were really transparent with that. And now you have a, 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 a service. You've, you've had a service that was struggling. They had capacity to get more money and they didn't. So the restructuring or the, the, the analysis of what's happening at TTC requires more than just saying, are you going to reverse cuts with the TTC? The t- <laughs> it, re- it requires more than just saying, let's pay for, you know, advertising. What is advertising going to do when so much of the revenue comes from ridership? You need to build trust, reliability, and sustainability within the ridership, meaning I could go on the TTC and still do my job if I needed to like travel for a while or I got stuck, I could still do my work. I could feel safe. But that is a comprehensive holistic solution, which includes housing and social services, but it also includes making sure that we're not having one single provider on Canada's largest network, which is Toronto. I, I You know what? I, I have to agree with you. It, for me, safety is a, a big thing as well. You know, um, I, I have a, she's 20 now, but uh, she was late getting her G1 license and then uh, between the time that uh, between her G1, she she waited more than a year and right. and uh, then all that violence happened. And actually, we're like we're in Ward one. So she would go to Kipling Station and that's where that um, that lady was set yeah. on fire. Yeah. And so my daughter quickly got her her G2. So now she drives because she's like that. I don't I, I don't want to be on the so. subway. So, so what do we do with that? So my daughter's at U of T. She takes the, the subway from, from um, St. Patrick. Same thing happened. She's alone in the subway. Somebody comes up to her. She starts crying. And luckily the person that did, um, and I just, if you, if you do recognize my daughter, I want to thank you for, for being very gentle with her. She just walked away. My daughter came back up and walked. And so we we really it's it's not just about safety on the TTC because these indiv- anybody who accesses the TTC is a customer 
of that of that agency. And so whether they're unhoused or have uh, challenges, we have to take we have to take heed from um, uh, you know Mrs. Malganese's is, is is conversation after her her son died, and talk about the social determinants of health that drive people into the TTC. That's warm, that's accessible, that could provide a place for them to stay. We have to look at all the social determinants of health that drive people there, and provide sustainable, predictable funding for that. And then we could start to say, okay, what else do we need? But it, I got to tell you, Matthew and, and Phil, it requires compassion. Absolutely. This, this is not about just pulling people or yanking people up or just saying, you know, my daughter deserves better than your son because your son is unhoused. That's, there's something wrong with that. Exactly. I, I, I gotta I gotta I gotta be straight with you you know uh, Phil can vouch for me uh, earlier towards the beginning of the election I said that uh, because we all know Toronto has two billion dollars in its reserves earmarked for the gardener and I said if you scrap the gardener you can spend that two billion dollars and you can literally uh, uh, reset every single uh, unhoused person's life to it what it was previous before they were unhoused and in that create a taxpayer and and they can get back to what they were doing before they were unhoused and and be productive members of society not that not that they're not now but um and then but you know that is in a perfect world so but uh, but that's not in a perfect world though matthew i will tell you because they could reset it but that money is not sustainable it is taking, it's like when you take your one credit card, you paid it off mm -hmm. and then you use it to pay for something else. Right. Right. So we could, we could talk about the gardener. Yes. And that would, that would help in the short term, but does that money replicate itself? No, it does not. It's not a sustainable, predictable revenue source. So while we could do that, what will happen in when that money runs out is that those individuals that we've helped that are kind of on that cusp or on that cliff and could have, have the potential to reverse back or to go forward, if they reverse back, then we're saying, oh my God, where's the next gardener that we could cut? Right. That doesn't work. You have to get sustainable, predictable funding for those services because some people take two, three, four times. And believe me, I'm not talking about this from a from a, per, a place of absolute privilege. I I know what it's like to dump or die for my 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 furniture, but I also know what it's like to lose relatives to addiction and mental health. So I'm not talking about this from a perspective of not knowing. I'm talking about this from a perspective of love. So I could say cancel the gardener and everybody would be like, yeah, sure. But that does not solve our problem. I agree. It's a Band-aid on our problem. And I it's think a we band-aid, a nice band-aid. And I think we already have enough band-aids. And we don't need no more band-aids because band-aids don't. Yeah. Band-aids are not the, not all the end all of you. Phil, jump in with a question. All right. I'm, I'm ready. I'm good. And I, I think this perfectly segues into um, a question on housing. Yes. Now, 
uh, last week, council legalized multiplexes, which um, my understanding is that's just an easy, solid win. You know, um, right. get more density going in the city. Um, I think my main question is, how do we get how do we get this housing built? Is it um, do we go through a public builder through the city? How do we incentivize um, how do we incentivize these people to get this stuff built? So, let's take a step before that, Phil, and let let's make sure that the city oh, of Toronto has an assessment of their current assets. So if we don't have an assessment, so you're, you're talking about putting a puzzle together of various pieces and you're going to build housing on various pieces, but you don't know where those pieces are. You don't know how big they look. You don't know what the fabric of those, those pieces are, and you don't know what you could put there. So if you at least have an assessment of your current assets, then you could say, well, this neighborhood is very, you know, single family homes. Maybe we want to put a smaller multi-unit dwelling there. But this, this neighborhood, we don't want to put a 40-story skyscraper. Let's do some innovative in intensification, meaning we're going to put like tier-typed housing or podium housing or housing that looks a little bit different where we don't need that 40 stories. And then some neighborhoods, hey, put the 40 stories. Nobody's going to notice, right? But if we don't have an, we don't have a, a, an, a, a access to the assessment of our assets, then we're just blowing smoke. And this is where the political will is necessary to do, okay, here's a map of what we're doing. Here is, we need at least, so we could divide it out. We need 200 here, 400 there, 50 here. Then we could start to really have an intentionality about how we build housing where we build housing, what that looks like when we build housing so that it doesn't disrupt the fabric of those neighborhoods. We could do this right. We are choosing not to. We are choosing to be sloppy. We are choosing to be lazy and say, put a developer, put a 40-story building up because it looks okay. No. And we cannot talk about Metrolink selling off land and not putting enough affordable housing when we don't even have our own house in order. Let's get our own house in order. Let's decide that we're going to do a, a conduct an assessment of current assets. Then with those conduction, let's look at innovative intensification models and then, and then look at a uh, section 37 of the planning act and say, wow, this particular area, doesn't need another parkette. What it needs is a entrepreneur hub, or it needs a senior's residence, or it needs a child youth place. Let's be innovative about a number of different ways in which communities could thrive within their neighborhoods and not be so basic. I like it. I really, really like it. Uh, Philip, you know, I'm just aware of our time. I'll give you the last question and then uh, we'll let her make her closing statement. Okay. Um, I, <laughs> uh, I'm usually, I feel like I'm better prepared. Uh, okay. Actually, Matthew, I hope you'll edit this comment out. Uh, Selena, on Saturday, we had um, Giorgio Memlidi. Uh, we were interviewing him. 
And interviewing him for me turned out to be relatively easy because I I disagreed with everything he said. So it was very easy for me to come up with a question to kind of, you know, ask him. Right. Uh, Selena, I really like the stuff that you're saying so far today. So it, it makes it very hard for me to, you know, not that I'm a, not that my desire is to be combative or, you know, fighting or whatever. Um, sorry, that's my preamble. I got to figure out a question while I'm while I'm here. Well, that's OK. You know, I think I think the reason why. So I, I almost did myself a disservice with announcing early in April and then coming out with a platform, a full platform at, in, in May. And I, I like I lost some momentum there and but I really felt that it was important to give the city of Toronto really good ideas, really challenge how they think about what they deserve. Toronto deserves better. They deserve more. They deserve leadership that's going to say, look, I'm not going to give you some big shiny empty promise that's wrapped in a multi-million dollar bow that I'm going to leave later. I'm going to take the time to look at what is existing, look at where the gaps are and look at where we could be as a city. And so I, I think what I, I, why, what I'd want people to do is whether irrespective of who they're voting for is to challenge that candidate challenge them to say one where is the money coming from who are you going to squeeze to get it? who are you going to hurt to get it where's the compassion and the love in your platform that says i deserve dignity i deserve humanity i deserve love that's what i want to challenge i want to challenge people i want people to pause to be honest phil i want people to pause and be like i didn't think about that i want people to pause before june 26 to say do i deserve better and if the answer to that question is yes then demand more period demand I more answer, i think the answer to that is fuck yeah hell yeah I, I don't even, I don't even really know what to say. You just, you've come along and blown my mind. And, <laughs> um, Phil, you take it. Uh, you want me to send this up? Yeah. Selena. Yeah. Um, you know, uh, I'm so excited that we get a chance to talk to you. Um, I'm excited for your campaign and, uh, Man, I feel like going from federal politics to municipal politics. God, I hope that's fun for you. This isn't <laughs> you know, really I, this isn't really a closing statement. These are all my thoughts just pouring out. I've had four years to heal. And I just want to say thank you to both of you, Matthew and Phil, for I, I'm not in the debates. I'm not even included in the polls. Um, I just want to thank you for this opportunity to at least get my message out to some people. Um and, and to really honor the work that you're doing. Well, we're having a debate coming up. I, I think I, I emailed you about it. So if I didn't, I'll send you the email again. Please send uh, it again. Because it's on. It's going to be on the 27th of May. It's okay. a vert. It's a virtual one. I Perfect. try. Excuse me. I tried to get a um, uh, a, a physical space, but it's just 
so too much time and we're, we're also partnering with um um it's a newsletter or newspaper i'm not sure what she calls it it's called the etobicoke voice oh yes and, yeah 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 and uh jennifer alexander we're partnering with her for this um okay for this debate she'll be in on it as well and it's not going to be a debate with every single person it's going to be uh you know i think i i separated into three debates there's going to okay. be like 10 to 12 people each debate okay and uh and we'll go from there but uh but yeah i i i hope you're a part of it okay. i love i love what you're hearing and honestly i would put this interview up against any other interview we have done and i don't think anything comes close to this one i and i mean that i, I really you've given me some things to that think about <laughs> because I, I gotta be honest with you like there are there were now you're on it as well but there were like two maybe three people on my short list and now you've just come and you've joined that short list uh and and i'm not i'm not i'm not putting you on i'm i'm being i'm being very serious um I, i'm excited i'm excited and I, I we wish you so much luck in your campaign i'm excited for the future of this city we deserve a win we need a win and yes! let's, let's go and do it we are a championship city. We deserve a win. So whether it's me or anybody else, challenge your candidate to get that win. That's all I'm saying. Absolutely. Yeah. God, I'm so glad the Raptors reminded us that we're a championship city. We're, come on now, <laughs> do this. Come on, let's go. <laughs> That's right. <laughs> It's in our DNA. We got this. We got this in the veins. Let's do this. And now with Selena Caesar Chavin. I have to apologize uh, for my connection issues because uh, I decided to be, I wanted to be stealthy. I wanted to do the recording off to the side. It wasn't part of our normal schedule. So I didn't want to take up desk space, but it wasn't working for me connection wise. So I apologize. Um, I want to give her a shout out. I mean, she, she got real, she got real and, and personal and, and vulnerable during that interview, because we were talking about such real and important issues that affect each and every Torontonian every day. Um, it's not easy to, to do that. And, I have so much respect for her and, and, and I wasn't bullshitting her. Like she is now on my short list because I need someone, you know, we always rag on leaders. We rag on Tory. We rag on Doug Ford. We rag on Justin Trudeau because we, we maybe secretly eat in our own lives when the can't, when, cause when we're not doing this podcast, well, I'll tell you even on the podcast, like I, I, I believe these people don't have emotions and if they do, they're very good at hiding them. They, they don't show emotion at all, but this woman who who's willing to show emotion, I don't know. I just, I have so much respect for, for politicians, for political leaders, for uh, uh, public figures to be able to 
show emotion and be real. Am I am I am I off base? No, I think you're absolutely correct. Like, there's so many, so many politicians view the role as sort of usurper. I mean, not not literally, but I really do feel like a lot of politicians, and to be fair, a lot of their constituents as well, do put them on a pedestal. When we ignore the fact that, I mean, this isn't really to your point. Um, you know, of course, the role of elected official is we are serving people. And again, that has nothing to do with the fact that she was very, very honest. Uh, these these are real, I don't know, these are real people. And a lot of times they don't give that fact up, if that makes sense. Exactly. Um, We are going to get to our Survivor game next week. Don't worry, we'll eliminate more people. I thought we would take a break from it this week because, <clears throat> well, to be honest with you, I just didn't want to offend anybody. We're having such a good <laughs> week. We'll pick it back up next week, I promise. We'll hurt feelings later. Right? Um, but I want to talk about stuff that's been going on the campaign trail. Don't know if you have a couple things. I do have one thing I wanted to discuss. Um, this is from May 10th. It's an article, um, and I'm just going to read it, and then we can discuss it. Um, mayoral candidate Anthony Fury is calling for an overhaul of the Toronto District School Board. Quote, yesterday's decision to remove a sign supporting mothers outside Kew Beach Public School is just more evidence that the TDSB is in thrall to political correctness and is in urgent need of reform, Fury, uh, Fury said. Quote, time and again now... We've uh, seen how far left administrators are creating a culture of intolerance and left wing zealotry. I don't even know what that means in our schools. It's bad for our kids education and it's got to stop the sign taken down Tuesday in response to what was initially a single complaint on social media was meant as a mother's day greeting. And the sign read quote, Life does not come with a manual. It comes with a mom. School administrators immediately apologize, saying it does not reflect the inclusive, inclusive, inclusivity, I'm saying that wrong, whatever, of our community. According to CTV Toronto, grade six student, uh, school students themselves came up with the sign message. Quote, as mayor, I would also call for the reinstatement of the school resource officer program to help ensure our children and teachers have a safe place to learn and work, Fury added. Um, and then the, the rest of it is just about the, the resource officer program, which is not really what I wanted to talk about. I wanted to talk about the sign. So a single complaint, a single complaint, Took the sign down. So these grade six students, obviously, if you're in grade six and you come up with a message like, uh, hey, everyone should go fuck themselves. That's not going to get approved and get put out on the sign at the school. You see what I'm saying? 
but they came up with this. It was obviously approved. And then because of a single complaint, oh, it does not. uh, I'm sorry. What was the, uh, the, what was the, it does not reflect the inclusivity. I'm saying it wrong again, of our community. I'd love to know what you think about that. And then if you have anything else about the campaign trail, we can, we can touch that too. Okay. You know, interestingly, um, the reason why I laughed when you're like, I don't want to talk about the SRO thing. I want to talk about the sign is because I thought you were leading up to a conversation where, and I've actually, I've made a little bit of a, a Twitter thread talking about this idea where, I want to say, you know, Anthony Fieri, Giorgio Mammoliti, uh, they're talking a lot about, like, school issues, which makes me think you guys needed to run for TDSB trustee if these are the issues that you wanted to address. Now, we can talk you, about you the... hard turned. No, no, you hard turned. You're like, listen, I don't, that's not the shit I care about. I want to talk about the sign. We can so talk you really about. Caught me. <laughs> we can talk about the school resource just, officer. That's okay. You you made me, no, no, no. You just, it just made me laugh. Um, And it's funny because uh, my partner had actually brought it up to me. And I was, I was sort of surprised because she was on the side of, it was a, she thought it was a bad message. Um, and, and the thing is, that I, that she's, she's talking about, or rather her concern, I guess, is more for, um, you know, students who've lost their mom, like whose mom has, has died or whatever. And I understand. So in those situations, and I think that's what the complaint is based around. I don't think it's, um, it's some sort of like woke ideology or anything. I think it's just based on that consideration. And I, I think she's mostly saying that for me because that's my case <laughs> so like i i get it i i think it's a silly thing that shouldn't have really been too big of a story it should have been uh the sign went up one person complained the school was like all right i i don't think it's a big story can, can we just let's i need to bite into this a little bit more one complaint one, not, <laughs> not, not five, not 10, not a hundred, one complaint. You know, don't we wish, don't we wish the city were that efficient? Right. One, <laughs> one complaint, one complaint. I'm sure so more fact, than now. Now we're talking about the efficiency of the school administration. Good for them. They did it. They nailed it. I am, I am, <laughs> I, I don't work for the city, but I can, I can, I can promise you the city has at least received one complaint about the fact that about the fact that counselor Michael Thompson is still working as a counselor while he's facing sexual assault charges. All it takes is one complaint. One. It absolutely should. (laughs) My problem is, is that what's good for the goose is not good for the gander. You heard that saying when you were a kid? I, I, (laughs) yes, I, I, I do understand. (laughs) okay what in the world is else is going on on the campaign trail have you heard anything or want to talk about anything um at the moment uh so today ontario place for all as i mentioned briefly with uh councillor perusa 
they were having a 50th birthday party hosted by the Ontario Place for All group. You know, uh, our friend Norm Di Pasquale. Pasquale. I'm, I'm trying to do an Italian thing. I think I might have done this. I think that's a, oh shit. I meant to do. You know. You know what? It's it's an audio podcast. Nobody saw the offensive thing I did. Nobody saw um, that. You, nobody saw that you bombed that. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, and I'd love for someone to be like, "How do you bomb that?" And it'll be lost the time because we won't be able to tell you. I'll have forgotten. Uh, and you know. So there were quite a few uh, mayoral candidates who showed up to this. Uh, Josh Matlow, <laughs> Olivia Chow, Anthony Perusa, uh, and a, a little celebrity that I, I feel like that I'm getting a little bit worked up about. Uh, my my favorite, Molly the dog. Molly the dog was at Ontario Place. Uh, there's a great picture with uh, Molly and the leader of the Ontario Green Party, Mike Schreiner. Uh, hanging out together. Uh, I call it Molly and Mike. It's in- incredible stuff. I'm very happy that this is actually. Did you know there was the... a? Did you know there was a TV show called Mike and Molly? <laughs> I I I said that, and then I asked my partner. I was like, "Wasn't there wasn't there a show called that?" She's like, "Yeah." <laughs> so yeah, uh, that happened. Um, what else is going on? been very quiet on the mark saunders campaign front that's very true actually here is i have a question or a thought to pick your brain okay i don't know if you've seen it anna bailau on saturday tweeted a picture and i gotta tell you i feel like it's an irresponsible it's irresponsible campaigning because this man is the reason we're having a campaign right now. She tweeted a picture of herself, and the the caption is, great to catch up with my friend and former mayor, John Tory at the 15th annual Filipino Center Toronto Basketball Tournament in I Scarborough. Did, I did see that. Does that not seem absolutely thoughtless? I would say that anyone running for mayor should be distancing themselves from John Tory because we're, we're here to elect a new mayor to fix what John Tory couldn't. And, and so by doing that, you have to highlight everything he did wrong or, or simply things he wasn't doing. And I just, I don't know that it, it, I didn't like it. I thought, I'm not going to rail on her because I I I don't want to to be completely right. honest with you. That's fair. Um, I think that here's it was in poor judgment. That's what I'll say. And I I just I agree with that. At least Brad Bradford had the sense to know <clears throat> to be ashamed when he met up with John Tory and people. You know that was a very candid photo. Um, you know, but Brad. Brad never addressed it. He was never like, yeah, that's my man, John Tory. No, he just didn't say a word about it. He let that come and go. You know what? And that's the second time I'll give Brad a compliment today on the podcast. Smart. You let that shit go. You do not acknowledge the man. You do not acknowledge the myth. You absolutely do not pretend that he is a legend. <laughs> oh. And now to close out tonight's show, I wanted to talk about the big news that is going on. And just because it's not happening in our 
uh, municipality does not mean it's not going to affect Toronto. And of course, I am talking about the Ontario government's decision to dissolve Peel Region and make Mississauga, Brampton, and Caledon their own standalone cities. Now, there are there are complexities here. You have Mississauga, arguably, it is the biggest city within the Peel Region cities, and you have Brampton. So, and you have Caledon. So, in interest of being fair, I will tell you, and I've never said this to you, Phil, before, that the mayor of Caledon is actually my former sister-in-law. Oh shit! She she has my my dad's last name, Groves. She's a wonderful lady. Um, I've never formally met her, but. Yeah, she's my former sister-in-law. That's crazy. That's crazy. <clears throat> yeah. That's cool. Um that's crazy. So, yeah. <laughs> anyway, um there's a lot of things. So, Peel Region has their own police, but it's Peel Region Police. So, when they split the Peel Region Police does, does are they going to stay uh, obviously they're going to become Mississauga Police, but are they going to stay with with um, Mississauga? Are they going to go to Brampton? Who's going to get the new police force? Caledon's already going to have to get a new police force. Or maybe they'll share Orangeville. Because I know Caledon's actually not too far away from Orangeville. I might be wrong. Whatever. Anyway. Um, might, then, they, might they just keep that to like a regional police force? But they're they're dissolving the region, Phil. No, no, no. I, oh, I guess. <laughs> mm, man. You're, you know, this is this whole thing is messy. It's going to be messy. It's a divorce. And, man, it's a divorce. Can, can you can you imagine? I mean, I, I say it as if you know Toronto has been amalgamated for longer than twenty years, <laughs> but my brain immediately goes, "Can you imagine the mess that would be a Toronto the amalgamation?" At the same time, I would love to run for Scarborough City Council. Right. <laughs> um, you know, there's all these, you know, uh. Bonnie Crombie, the mayor of Mississauga, she wants money from Brampton or, or and or the province. Patrick Brown, the mayor of Brampton, wants a lot of money from Mississauga. <laughs> it's going to be a nasty divorce. And they're calling Kaladin is like the child of the divorce. It's and very funny because in my Google search of the Kaladin mayor, that's like the top thing. <laughs> um, I just... This is this is crazy times, you know. In the last few years, I mean, we've seen hell. We saw Trump get elected. We've seen fucking uh, the 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 U.S. Capitol get stormed. We've seen uh, we we saw a Pope die. I don't know if it was in the last seven years. We've seen <laughs> the Queen the Queen died. Now we have a king, and and we've seen different things happen Excuse in, you, in Canada as well. We had two queens die. Betty White. Oh, yes. You forget. No, I share a birthday with her. Oh, shit, really? Yeah. Was that January 20th? 17th. 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 Oh, shit. I I'll tell you. Oh, I'll tell actually. You, we'll, do, we'll do a sidebar right now. I'll tell you a quick story. We were, I think I may have told you this before, but we were going to do a 
Betty White Turns 100 episode on uh, This Time in History. I think you told me that. But she died before we could record it. Anyway. God, that was real shit. Pour one out for a real one, Betty White. Right? And now, you know, we're facing things here in Canada. You know, not all of it's good. We got the carbon tax going up. Um, we might be facing another federal election sooner rather than later. And now, you know, boom, Peel region is going to be dissolved by 2025. And we're going to have three standalone cities. I wonder, I just, uh, I don't know. I, it's, 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 there are a lot of things I probably don't understand about it. Uh, but coming out of it, I don't know if you heard this part. Bonnie Crombie intends to resign as the mayor of Mississauga and run for the leader of the Liberal Party. I wonder what prompted her to make that choice. Was it this? Because now she's got enough steam behind her. I could see, potentially, I could see her giving Doug Ford some trouble come next election. You know, I think I need to know more about her her standing, her profile with other like with other uh you know standard bear liberals. Uh because I don't know enough. Because I've seen I assume I've seen the same headlines that you probably read that say as much that says that Bonnie Crombie, you know, some insider PCs are worried about her. And I, I think I need to know more about her to know why that is well here here's here's a bit of it right so the way that doug ford's been fucking with toronto he's now doing it to mississauga there are at least two buildings that i'm aware of i I, i'm i think they're either going into construction or they're in construction and he removed I, i i i don't know if it was a bylaw or something but he so that they could make the towers even bigger I don't know how many floors it's going to be. I don't know, but there's two different buildings and I'm not sure that Bonnie Crombie was on board with that. I'm not saying that, well, this, because of this issue, Oh, she's all pissed off. Right. That's, that's not what I'm saying. I, I'm pretty sure she was probably already previously approached by the liberal part of uh, the Ontario liberal party, but she, you know, she enjoyed being the mayor of Mississauga, even though, I mean, she's, the first mayor that Mississauga had since Hurricane Hazel. And no matter who stepped into Hazel's shoes, it was going to be a rough ride. Um, oh, yeah. No kidding. But for, for you, potentially, could you see, you know, we have Merritt Styles now installed at, at the Ontario NDP. Potentially could have Bonnie Crombie installed as the leader of the Ontario Liberal Party. Could you see in a world, one of two things might happen. Either A, people are going to be so enthralled with the NDP, so enthralled with the Liberal that you're going to have a split vote situation, or... Forever conservative government in Ontario. Or this could be the... the re- and I've had my issues with the Ontario Liberal government. I did not like Kathleen Wynne. I've said that publicly so it's not a surprise but this could be the rebirth that the ontario liberal party needs to take another shot at running the ontario government hopefully better this time they just got to get their shit together 
<laughs> like as a party, they've they've just been floundering. So I mean, we'll listen. We'll put our ear to the ground. Whatever saying we want to use, and we'll keep an eye on this story because this is going to, even if it's slightly, impact Toronto. Um, there are neighbors. Uh, there's 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 issues like transit expansion for both Mississauga and Brampton that you know we've already expanded in Devon. Why not Mississauga? Why not Brampton? Why not Durham region? That, and, yeah. and and here here's here's the other thing I wanted to talk to you about. Peel region is first. Does that mean it's going to happen across the board? What about Durham? What about Halton? What about Niagara region? Is this going to happen across the board? And also, you know, a regional council and a city council for both, for, for, for Peel, a lot of people are going to be losing their jobs, I would assume, because you have two uh, legal departments, you have two accounting departments, you have two of everything. Because you have Yeah, so essentially it would be like having that. I mean, that's probably what this big split is about. Um, also, you think so? I, well, the, that and I understand if I understand it correctly, there's a pool of money regionally that gets split up, and Mississauga is the bigger uh city, so I, I'm not sure if it's an even slice or Mississauga thinks they should get a bigger slice. I, I'm not sure, and I'm not going to speak to that because I don't know because I don't, so I don't want to speculate. I'm just saying that. Well, I guess I am speculating. Uh, that could be something that could be one of the issues. Um, we really should read up more on this, but <laughs> I just I just wanted to it talk was a about fun, it. It was a fun speculative moment, but you're correct. I also I don't know too much of the impacts that uh, deal amalgamation is going to have. And there you have it. Um, I think we did pretty good for this episode. I want to thank all our listeners everywhere. Um, I, I don't. I mean, should I list them? Ah. Anyway. Listen, we, we can't let our, our French compatriots know that we're letting them out. <laughs> so France, hell yeah. And then there's Italy. Um, oh, fuck yeah, Italy? Yeah. Um, I believe I said last week, uh, St. Grenadines, uh, Belgium. Oh, fuck yeah. And then, I mean, in the States, you have, we're always going to say Ohio. And Ohio is our new best friend. My new best friend. And our new best friend. Exactly. And Virginia and California and um, New York, Alabama, Arizona. Where are Texans at? Uh, Texas is actually there too. Uh, Pennsylvania oh, as well. Yeah. Um, Nevada, another one. Colo uh, yeah, Colorado as well. Um, you know, we are so blessed, uh, by our success. We are Toronto municipal politics podcast that is listened in. I think it's, if it's not over 30, it's close to 30. Some, I, I didn't count them before we started recording, uh, but close to 30 States or over 30 States, whatever it is. And 13 different countries, which is friggin' amazing considering we are a Toronto podcast, but we love 
all our listeners equally. And we don't want your money, as I've stated before. We want your support in ter- in in terms of listening. Listen to us. If you don't agree with us, tell us, tweet us, email us. Um, we're available to listen. We'll respond. We'll read it on the air. You get Phil. Do you got anything to add before we get out of here? Uh, you know what? I think we've covered a lot tonight, so uh, I'm feeling like we've done pretty well. So again, we want to thank all our listeners. Thank you so much. Continue listening. We got great stuff coming up. I will say that I am working on something special. I wasn't going to announce it, but I I think I will. Election day is June 26th in Toronto for this by-election. Everyone needs to get out and vote. And I, I truly believe the only way to affect change is to be part of it. I've said that before. I'll say it again. I'll keep doing it. On election day, we are going to be recording a special episode. We are going to have a panel talking about the election as the results come in in real time and possibly releasing it early, a day early. Um, But more on that as we get along this windy road we call the election campaign trail but i think that's all for today so for anthony for phil oh sorry phil for phil (laughs) and for anthony and for selena and everyone else thank you guys and we will see you next week this is the municipal have you been paying attention to like city stuff don't vote can't bitch Sorry to uh, to point that finger at you. My answer was that would be yes and no. My tummy hurts, and I'm mad at the government. You're saying council wouldn't approve it, and two, you're robbing them of their their voice. It's it's he's already he's already failed to uphold it.